0: Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my right-hand gal.
1: Hello, and welcome to Strictly Horror, a marital tour of monsters, murder, and mommy issues. I'm Allie.
0: And I'm Tate, and today we'll be talking about The Cabin in the Woods, a movie released in 2011, directed by Drew Goddard.
1: Okay, Tate, so for those listeners who either haven't seen this movie or need a refresher, can you give us a quick run-through of what happens in it?
0: So in this movie, we yet again follow another group of five friends who go off to a cabin in the woods.
1: Of course. Nothing bad ever happens in a cabin in the woods.
0: No, nope, nothing bad ever happens in a cabin in the woods. <laughs> so these f- five friends are taking an RV out to this cabin and they discover that's a lot more isolated than they initially thought it would be.
1: Yeah, but they're like excited about it because that's what they wanted off the grid, right? Yeah. So that's cool.
0: They get there, this time there's no creepy swing, which is already a good sign. I mean, yeah. They go for a swim in a lake, everything's all good, and then they stop for a couple drinks. And yet again, another cellar door blows open. So our five characters, Dana, Kurt, Jules, Marty, and Holden, decide to go into the cellar. So while they're in the cellar, Each of them is playing with a different artifact lots of them are very different we have anything from a music box to some kind of spherical puzzle dana picks up a diary and in this diary she reads about a family of i would say backwards country folk who enjoy torturing themselves a little bit too much so she reads some latin from this book And after she reads the Latin, that's when they decide that maybe they should just put these things down, go back upstairs and continue their night. We see a little bit more of them partying, having fun. And then our two characters, Kurt and Jules, decide to go off into the woods.
1: To get it on.
0: They begin to get intimate. And then Jules is now sitting on top of Kurt and at this Getting
1: time on.
0: and at this time we first see the I guess main antagonist of this movie one of the main antagonists of this movie Jules is then attacked and Kurt runs back to her the cabin and he explains that we all need to go right now and Dana says well we're not leaving without Jules And then she opens the door to the cabin to have jules head thrown into the cabin now at this point there's a lot of different kind of running around we see a lot of different things a lot of characters are attacked and one of our characters who is the stoner of the movie marty gets pulled out of a window and we see him die of course off screen which as we all know means that
1: He's not dead.
0: No, he's still alive. But he is presumably dead and the movie continues on. Now it's just Dana left. We go through, they try and escape. They are unable to get out of the tunnel that they initially entered through. And Marty then comes out of nowhere and then saves Dana and explains that He found an elevator shaft that goes down into the ground. So then they proceed to go down to this elevator shaft, and as they go down, they see a bunch of different cubes with different monsters, very similar to the one that they're in now. And one of the cubes that they see is my favorite character of the whole movie.
1: The ballerina?
0: No. We see Fornicus. (laughs) Lord of bondage and pain.
1: That's my kind of guy.
0: Now, for those who have not seen this movie, Fornicus is a clear reference to Hellraiser. Very similar kind of thing going on with his complexion. Very similar. You mean his
1: complexion of blades through his head?
0: Well, Hellraiser is nails, but... (laughs) Metal sticking out of his skull. He has a ball instead of a cube. Ah, it's a clear reference of Hellraiser, okay. but this is when they realize that what has been happening to them has been orchestrated in some kind of way. Yes. And that the things that they were touching in the cellar then chose how they were to die.
1: Yeah. I mean, death by ballerina would have been pretty awesome. Uh,
0: she had a bit more teeth than I would have liked.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Dana is played by Kristen Connolly. Kurt is played by the classic Chris Hemsworth. Jules is played by Anna Hutchison. Holden is played by Jesse Williams, which is another great actor. And Marty is played by Fran Kranz, who is surprisingly ripped.
0: Yes, amazingly ripped
1: which is why he wasn't allowed to go in the water during the movie, because they didn't want the stoner to be ripped.
0: There was a quote from the director okay, and one of the producers that he looks like a ripped Jesus.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Like you said, they were at the lake, and, of course, he's not in the water. Yeah. And at no point you see him without a shirt on, and his wardrobe was designed to be very baggy and hiding of his
1: sexiness
0: which is usually the exact opposite of what movies usually do.
1: Yeah, they usually want you to take your shirt off every five seconds. Of course, uh, Chris Hemsworth does. Yes. But <laughs> but they wouldn't let the stoner Marty do it, so that's unfortunate because we saw some pictures after, and I think he's definitely on our list now.
0: Well, they wanted him to kind of really resemble the slacker stoner
1: Yeah. Role. Yeah, so everybody in this movie, well the five main characters play a role in this. Um, the they're actually there for a sacrifice. Any e- all five of them how ha- ha- f- e- each of them represents something different. So Dana is the whore? The whore. Yeah. No.
0: No, oh no, sorry. So, Dana is the virgin.
1: So Dana's the virgin. Jules is the whore. Kurt, so Chris Hemsworth, is obviously the jock. Uh, Holden is the smart guy. And Marty is the stoner. And they... Or the fool.
0: The fool, they call him. Yeah. But these people in their real life weren't really exactly these people.
1: Yeah, so Jules wasn't necessarily the whore she supposedly had never acted like that before her friends were like what's going on with her she is being completely strange and completely different and her hair is not naturally blonde she had dyed it and the stuff in the box dye made her hair blonde and stupid
0: yes which was supplied or somehow given to her by this
1: by the company that plays God.
0: Company, maybe? I don't know what exactly Cult. The, you would call them. The people who sacrifice these people to appease...
1: The gods.
0: The Old Ones. The Old Ones is, of course, a reference to the Great Old Ones, which is H.B. Lovecraft, my personal favorite writer, he writes about the Great Old Ones. So the Old Ones can also be seen as... A reference to the audience.
1: Are they calling us old?
0: No. So the idea is they have to sacrifice all these people. The virgin, of course, their death is optional. They can die, they don't have to die, but everyone else has to die.
1: And in a certain order, like the virgin has to be the last one.
0: Yes, the virgin has to be the last one if she does die. Now, if this doesn't happen, the old ones will destroy Earth, and this could be this could be looked at as a reference to how people watch horror movies. And if they go to see their slasher, and it's different from what they're used to, A.K.A. that exact plot of those people dying, the virgin either living or dying, but is the last person. Then they're upset. Lots of people criticize the movie, and then the movie doesn't do as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this one, they were really sure to make it happen. So the whole idea of it is that there's this, like, secret underworld organization across the entire world that basically every single year each country has to try and hor- and scare these people and make them suffer, um, punish them. Yes. And they have to be young, like the... People, the requirement for the people that they torture basically are, is youth. And so they are all doing that. And Japan in this one is, uh, is torturing a bunch of t- small schoolgirls that look like they're like seven. And they end up winning. <laughs> they exercise the demon, which is awesome.
0: Yes, Japan up until this movie had a perfect record, they yeah. had never failed. But at this point, every other country has failed, except for the United States and Japan. And Japan was still going on when they started this ritual.
1: Yeah, they were still doing their ritual. And so when all the countries failed, because they got word in as countries were not succeeding, and at least one of the countries need to succeed for the world to continue as it is. And so when they got word finally that Japan failed, then stress broke loose. And everybody's freaking out, saying, like, we better not fuck this up, because we're the last hope, of course, because the U.S. is obviously the best place in the entire world, right?
0: Obviously. Oh, they, my God. They, they saved the entire world over, over and, and over.
1: over. Like, have you seen Marvel? It's all about the U.S. Deadpool's Canadian. Like we said, they had done stuff to Jules' hair dye to kind of make her blonde and make her dumb, mold her into what they want her to be. So with the other characters, they kind of did similar things. They would kind of drug them in certain ways and do certain things to try and make them become these roles, to fill these roles, right? And so with Marty, they drugged his weed, like insanely, like too much. But the fun thing is, What is it he's like afraid of the government so he doesn't like he doesn't trust the government so he chooses not to smoke this big fat bag of weed that they had supplied him unbeknownst to him and he just and so he only deals with his personal stash so throughout the whole thing he's the only one who isn't severely drugged and changed so he's always like guys this doesn't seem right and, like, he was hearing, because they would throw out a little whisper here and there, because it's a set that they built, the cabin in the woods and everything. It's a set. And they're in a, what, in a deep basement or something, really?
0: I would say. Uh, I would call it more of a bunker.
1: Something like that. Anyways, yeah, so they're there. And and so, Mar- like, they would sometimes make a whisper to t- try and push... The characters to do things right and marty's like what the fuck? like you guys hearing this and it's like what was it in the basement that the voice said and he was like oh it was the voice said read it when dana had the book yes and the voice was like read it read it out loud and marty was like guys what the fuck? what is going on and like he kept hearing a voice talking like one point he's in his room And the voice is like, you should go for a walk. And he's like, what was that? And then it whispered at him again and he's like, I'm not listening to you. And he like goes on this like little rant and then he's like, I'm gonna go for a walk. (laughs) And it's so funny. Uh, He conformed, it's okay.
0: There's so many things about this movie that I just love.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good.
0: So I'd say this movie's kind of split up into three different parts. Okay. We have our group of friends up in the cabin. Yes. Which we have mostly talked about up until this point. Yes. And as this is happening, we keep on seeing kind of cuts to the second part of this movie. So the second part of this movie is about the actual group that is performing the sacrifices. All the technical things they're doing. Them talk about how they're, oh, raising the temperature in this zone, releasing
1: pheromones. pheromones. Yeah.
0: All this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. And it's all very modernized too because this is a newer movie and so it's showing because this is a really ancient uh what do you call it ritual thing it's been around for hundreds of years it's always just been a thing in this world in this universe right and so they're like in the 21st century normal dudes normal families that you see today in the real world and they're like just this crazy thing is happening, but it's just super casual everyday Thursday kind of thing, which is pretty funny. I I like that they gave it like a realistic kind of aspect there, it made the movie a bit more enjoyable.
0: Yeah, it just shows these people working, doing their day jobs, living their life. So the two people orchestrating this whole thing are Citizen and Hadley. Hadley is telling Citizen, about how him and his wife are trying to have a kid and how his wife has baby-proofed all the cabinets and how this weekend he's planning on taking a power drill and liberating all of his cabinets because he can't get any of them open. (laughs) So they did this scene to kind of confuse the audience, make them think that maybe they walked into a screening of the wrong film or something like that. But it definitely shows a very human aspect to this ritual, a very...
1: Normal, like as if it's just completely normal. And I just, I don't know, I really liked it.
0: I do really like whenever they go into this. It definitely helps with the...
1: Darkness of the other side of the movie.
0: Yes, this movie is meant to kind of show like, oh... Generic horror movie tropes. This happens, this happens. Yeah,
1: and they go through it too when we're seeing them in like the control room and stuff. They're talking like they're explaining it to this new security guard that's there and they're going through like what they need to do and why they need to do it and basically all of the laws of a horror movie.
0: Yes, and they really show everything. Like the group upstairs is like, oh, we need to stick together. They flip a switch, we see a vent open and some gas comes out. And then our character, Kurt, walks by the gas. He's like, we should split up. (laughs) And then Holden's like, oh, that's a good idea. And Marty's like, wait, what?
1: Yeah, because he's not having any of it.
0: (laughs) No. And another example of this is after Dana kills one of the mutant redneck family members, she's holding the knife. And then we have
1: somebody flip a switch and zap some sort of little shock comes out of the knife, so she drops it without even thinking about it.
0: Which in pretty much every horror movie, somebody uses a weapon once, and then they just drop it.
1: Which is... uh...
0: But this shows the scene as if, like, every horror movie we've watched is just this ritual. Yep. Yeah. Which then brings us to the third part of the movie. So the first is them in the cabin. The second is showing all the technical stuff downstairs. Now the third is when both of them meet.
1: The Clash of Titans.
0: Yes, when Dana and Marty are clashing with this group of people down in the bunker.
1: Yeah, because they get down through the elevator, right, and the elevator opens and there's a guy there with a gun saying, hey, get out, just the girl, so that he could kill the guy first so the girl could be the last one standing, the virgin, right? And so one of them throws him against the wall and they get out, get his gun, good to go. And then they hear a bunch of guards coming, so they basically push a button to bring down all of the monsters and let them free upon the world.
0: Well, free upon the things inside this bunker.
1: Free upon the people that were doing this to them.
0: Yes. So in this scene, we see all kinds of...
1: Cool shit. The one guy, the one main control guy, is often talking about how he hoped that one year he would get to see somebody choose the merman that kills... as the character that kills them in the cabin and the merman ends up killing him which is pretty amazing and i thought that was pretty funny and then the other guy ends up getting away and then he runs around a corner and dana accidentally shoots him because she thinks he's one of the monsters coming around the corner so he's dead too and he's like telling her to kill marty
0: that she needs to kill marty yeah so into some of the more technical aspects of the movie i guess so This movie had a $30 million budget.
1: Is that a lot?
0: That is a decent amount. The thing is, um, MGM was the original producers of this movie, or the studio that was filming this movie.
1: What is MGM?
0: They went bankrupt. Oh. Yes. Which actually put this movie on hold for a couple years. Okay. Which actually worked out amazing for this movie. Okay, why? So Chris Hemsworth filmed this movie first, and because of some of the acting he did, he got the role in Thor. Oh. Now, because of this delay, Thor was released before this movie. Oh. So they had this big A-list actor now in their movie. Yeah. That helps. Oh, um, yeah. MGM originally delayed the movie because they wanted to make it 3D. Oh. Now, when Lionsgate picked up the movie, so Lionsgate saw what the producers wanted to do for this movie. Yeah. And they didn't think it would be good in 3D. And the original producers wanted to cut a lot of the scenes that Lionsgate then wanted to keep in. But in the end, I would say that this delay that they had was definitely beneficial to this movie.
1: Yeah, overall... Which is pretty cool, too. And it gives them more time to double-check. I mean, you leave something to sit, and then you come back to it, and you kind of have an objective point of view again.
0: That is very true. Although one thing that would have been amazing if it would have happened
1: okay.
0: is there's a video game producer named Valve. Now, they make a zombie game called Left 4 Dead. Yeah. And MGM had originally partnered with Valve to make a kind of a DLC level set for this movie. Oh. Yes, and at one part, when they're in the cubes, it shows them um, zoom out, and you see all these different monsters. Mm-hmm. And when you zoom out, you see some of the elite monsters from Left 4 Dead. You see a boomer, you see a tank, a spitter, a hunter, and a witch.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, which of course, even though the deal fell through, Lionsgate still kept them in because then they would have to fill these four spots with something else. And
1: Yeah, I mean, it's already there. It's already done, so...
0: Yeah, exactly. As
1: long as they were allowed to, then that's fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Something that they had to um, overcome or they wanted to add in this movie was Marty's main prop, a six-foot-long coffee cup bong. Yeah. That folded down on itself to just look like a regular coffee cup.
1: Yeah. It's badass.
0: Now for this prop, they made an actual working prototype of it, which cost them five thousand dollars.
1: Oh my god.
0: Just to make this mug.
1: I feel like you and I could make it for twenty dollars.
0: I don't know about twenty dollars, but I think we could probably do it for under five thousand.
1: Oh definitely.
0: Yes. Speaking of herding cats, there are a lot of amazing references in this movie. And I'm not going to go over all of them because we simply do not have the two hours it would take to go through absolutely every one of them. But I will talk about some of the more prominent ones. So the title of the movie and when they first get to the cabin is an obvious reference to the Evil Dead. The cellar door flying open is a reference to the Evil Dead. On the whiteboard the On the Whiteboard where they have all their bets placed, they have both Deadites and Angry Molesting Tree, which are both obvious references to the Evil Dead.
1: So what came first? This movie or Evil Dead?
0: Evil Dead by about forty years.
1: Oh wow, okay. So then it definitely is a lot of copycats, like they were aiming to make it seem like it was the Evil Dead as with their setting and everything, was it like kind of a, a thing that the people in the movie were like, guys, this is the set we want to build in our area that we're going to scare these people and kill them? Or was it like an actual movie director choice?
0: I think they kind of more directly reference the Evil Dead, because it's a very iconic movie, but there are a lot of movies that people out in a cabin where they go get murdered by something.
1: What? I thought that that never happened. Ever. People don't get murdered in cabins. Nothing bad ever happens in a cabin in the woods.
0: You're right. Nothing bad ever happens. It never happens. But one thing which I think is kind of funny is they mimic and copy Evil Dead in so many ways And this movie was sued for plagiarism. Yeah, it wasn't Yeah, but it wasn't sued. They but they weren't sued by any of the makers of Evil Dead.
1: Wait, so who sued them?
0: Um, I forget his name, but he wrote a book. And in his book it's about this group of friends who get murdered from unseen people. Okay. People behind the scenes somewhat how these people are orchestrating this whole thing to make the sacrifice yeah but the judge has had ruled that people going out to a cabin and getting murdered has been has been done so many times that his book in itself could be sued for plagiarism
1: yeah honestly
0: yeah and this whole concept is not something that could be Protected by a copyright.
1: Yeah, because it's it's such a common thing, apparently, even though nothing bad ever happens in a cabin in the woods.
0: Less about the cabin in the woods, more about just people getting killed. Because that happens all the time. Never in a cabin, though.
1: Just in our house.
0: Yeah. Well, we don't live in a cabin, so...
1: Ah, good point. You got me there.
0: Another reference I'm not sure if you noticed, but on the whiteboard, there was listed as twins... Oh? Yes, and this is a reference towards The Shining.
1: Oh, yeah, like the little twin girls in the hallway.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's lots of other references. There's references to Jurassic Park, to Halloween, to The Hills Have Eyes. They've got King Kong there. There's so many references that you could talk about it for days and never get through every single one of them.
1: That's awesome, though.
0: I do love that, that they really incorporate so many different things.
1: So, is the idea behind it that all of these creatures are real from these movies in the world? Say this universe of Cabin in the Woods exists, right? Like, there really is a sacrifice and stuff. Is the idea behind it that all of the horror movies' bad guys are actually real bad guys? And so they've just captured them all? Or did they, like, physically... And, like, genetically somehow in a lab create these monsters.
0: Well, in the movie, the Truman, the security guard, Mm -hmm. says these are, like, things that come out of nightmares. And then the one guy says, no, these are what the nightmares are created from. Okay. So these are actual, I guess, ancient beings or things from the old one's time or something like that. But these are real creatures and monsters.
1: Okay. And so maybe in that universe, these movies weren't necessarily made. They're just referencing it for the sake of this movie in general, right? But um, those monsters were real, and that's why you've got all of those horror stories.
0: Exactly. And I think a lot of these references are very directed towards the audience because this is such a meta movie with them kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're poking fun at the whole horror genre and all of this and explaining this.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of a scary theory, though, in general. Like, if that was the reality of it, it's kind of horrifying to think about, which kind of gives it that actual scare edge to it, I think, because the movie in general just seems kind of funny because you know what's going on behind the scenes. But, I mean, when you actually think about it, too, though, and like you said, it's split into three parts, and so it's just... Some aspects of it can be quite scary, especially for me, who gets scared very easily.
0: Well, and another way to look at this, when you have a dream and you see a face in your dream, your brain didn't create that face. That's a face you've seen before. Yeah. And when, say, you draw a picture of a monster growing up, you don't create something fully new. You take bits and pieces from little things.
1: Like what you picture that your parents tell you, you know, the scary monster under the bed or whatever. It's just, it's all, it all comes from somewhere. Nobody's actually truly original.
0: Exactly. So where did these original ideas for these monsters come from?
1: Maybe, hold on. Maybe they are real.
0: I'm just saying. Uh. It's very hard to do original thoughts and not many people have it so it's like
1: who wrote Beethoven's fifth symphony
0: it was the doctor yeah so for having a movie with so many different references so many different things and being kind of such a clever movie and how it's all portrayed and everything that happens in it I'm really impressed because they wrote this whole script in just three days oh my god I know, like, that's that's really not long at all to write a whole movie's worth of content.
1: Well, so is most of it improvised then?
0: I don't know if a lot of it is improvised or what, but...
1: Maybe they extended the script once it got picked up. Once they were a go, maybe they were like, okay, now let's sit down and write all the little details. Maybe it was just, like, a general script?
0: It would have been a general script, it probably would have been what they do, generally what they say. They definitely would have wouldn't have added in the whiteboard with all the different references in it and yeah. things like that. But I mean, that's still impressive to be able to write a script for a movie in three days.
1: Oh yeah, that's crazy. Especially if such a good movie.
0: <laughs> yes, and especially because it's not based off of something. They didn't read a book and then go off of the book to write the script. They fully made this up themselves. Mm-hmm. And what's going to happen in such a short amount of time?
1: Yeah. They were probably high when they did it.
0: I know. They locked themselves in a hotel for three days.
1: Oh, were they just like, okay, we have a script due in three days. We haven't started. Let's go.
0: Well, the director and the producer, the last movies that they had done weren't exactly high notes.
1: Oh okay
0: so I think this is something that they just wanted to get done they locked themselves in the hotel they wrote it and
1: got it over with yeah but it's so good
0: I know I love this movie and one another thing about the director is not only did he write the script in three days he tried to make some of the scenes and things like that more tolerable for the actors and actresses unlike for example the shining
1: <laughs> yeah thank god
0: for example the scene where jewel kisses the wolf it did take a lot of takes to get that scene right but what nice they, and sexy yeah yeah but what they had done is they made the tongue interchangeable out of the wolf And they coated it in powdered sugar to make the tongue not taste as gross, to make it a bit more tolerable for the actress who filmed that scene.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: And delicious. It's a lot nicer than making her redo it a hundred and thirty times in a row.
1: No wonder she looks so excited about it.
0: I mean, I would. Powdered sugar is amazing. Mm -hmm. So, were there any things that you watched this movie and it kind of bothered you? Like little points you seen that didn't make sense to you or?
1: Um, I w- I'm not going to lie. There was one part that I was very excited to see how it happened. Uh, like what was going to happen the first time I watched this movie. Because um, at the point where Kurt is going to go jump the bike across the canyon, I was like, okay, in the beginning we remember seeing the bird fly and hit a wall. So I was like, oh, this is going to suck for him. And I was actually getting kind of excited. I was like, let's go. And um, so that was fun. But I don't think there was anything that I was like, oh, this really sucks. What about you?
0: There were definitely some things that bothered me in the movie or things that I noticed. And that just kind of because, you know, I'm a psychopath and that's my favorite part of movies. Now, there are your obvious continuity errors that every movie has, especially when you're filming scenes that go back and forth, like blood that's on one person isn't on them in between a couple of shots or... Always. There's always things like that. Then a giant control room full of switches. Of course, some switches are going to be moved around and not going to always be perfect. But aside from those, there are some bigger ones. Like when Marty is standing on the dock, he starts that scene with a green towel, and then it magically disappears.
1: The mystery of the green towel.
0: One day we'll find out what happened with that. And then when Jules starts a movie, she has just dyed her hair blonde. And then when they get into the RV, you can see that she has dark roots. Yeah. A matter of seconds later. Yeah. Yeah. But else in just kind of the basic continuity errors that you notice about movies, some things that bothered me were the one-way mirror that they have in the cabin.
1: What's wrong with that?
0: So one-way mirrors only actual work if one room is brightly lit, and that's a room that they can't see through the mirror, and the other room is dimly lit. If both rooms are equally lit, you can actually see through the mirror. Oh. Yes, and this was a dimly lit cabin, and the one-way mirror would not work. Oh. That's one thing.
1: That sucks.
0: Another thing is...
1: Hey, just to say though, um, I'd totally spy on you through a one-way mirror.
0: I know you would. <laughs> Another thing that bothered me is um when marty presumably dies he dies off camera and everybody celebrates
1: yeah because the fool is dead
0: because the fool is dead but it shows in multiple scenes that they can see each person's vitals on a screen
1: right oh i noticed that and i hated that
0: so they would obviously know if he'd actually died
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe his heart slowed, but no.
0: No, he just got stabbed in the back. His heart would be racing. Yeah. And one thing I did actually like about that scene when he does presumably die is they pull a lever, and that's what makes blood drip down, and it kind of, like, signifies that that person has died. Yep. But when Marty dies, the ground shakes.
1: Because the god's all excited.
0: Well, no, because the god knows he didn't die.
1: His death was off
0: screen. They think he died. They
1: they think the gods are excited.
0: Maybe the gods excited. Maybe the gods upset that he died off screen. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because this whole thing is to please the gods. Another thing, and it probably bothered me the most about this whole movie, is when they first get down to the facility they're stuck in a little control booth Yeah, and then they flip a switch and then hit a button and the button says purge and it lets all the monsters out. First of all, if this was a real button, it would not be this easy to just.
1: Yeah, you'd need like eight keys from different people and like a bunch of processes to get it to before you could push the button.
0: And in what world would the monsters just come out in the lobby? Why does that make sense? You don't go in the zoo and have the access for the tigers to be moved into the zoo at the entrance gate where you buy the tickets. Yeah. If anything, the purge button would just kill everything in the cubes in case there was a containment breach. Not let it all out.
1: Eh, who knows.
0: I don't know, that did not make any sense, to me at least. So what were your thoughts on this movie?
1: I think it was a really good movie. The concept has definitely stayed with me since we watched it. And it was just fun to watch, I think, especially with, you know, the well-known actors in that. And I think it was just, it was an all-around good watch. What do you think of it? And also, what would you rate it?
0: I really enjoy this movie. I think it's a great movie if you've got some friends over for the night and you just want to sit down, you want to watch a movie. It's not scary. It's just kind of a fun, campy kind of movie.
1: Yeah, speak for yourself.
0: That you can all sit around and watch and enjoy.
1: Not scary, my ass.
0: It's not scary, but whatever. Yeah, but it's
1: not not scary.
0: I mean, it's not 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 scary.
1: Not 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 gay.
0: Anyways... I would probably rate this movie, I'd say, 950 movie references out of a thousand movie references.
1: That's fair. On that note, keep your shotguns loaded, your chainsaws fueled up, and always remember to double tap.